Okay, I've sent her the link. Wait for her to find her way in. How's your week been, sister? Oh, pretty good, I suppose. Or pretty shit, maybe. Maybe it's been pretty shit, Paul. Yeah. Everything sucks harder than everything else. <laughs> Does it matter? Yeah, just asking out of curiosity. What about your week? Yeah, pretty crazy. What's made it particularly crazy this week, Paul? I've just been busy with work, sorting oh. through shit. Nothing else? Just work? That's about it for my life at the moment. Is it usually just work that makes your life shit? No, it doesn't make it shit. I like my job, but... Oh, you like your job? Yeah, that's why I took it. Ah, but it's making it stressful. No, it's not stressful, oh. just busy. Just busy. Very busy. I've been handling the stress okay. Okay. Yes, but whenever you do anything in customer service and sales, you always realise how much people truly are assholes. It's amazing. We don't have more wars, isn't it? Yeah. Don't sound so happy and upbeat. Can't get blood from a stone, can you? No, no. If you beat it against somebody's head, you can. Oh. That'll draw blood. It will. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I played a nice game of Cards Against Humanity with Brother Adrian last night. Oh, yeah, I saw you post something about that. I think that might actually make my interactions with friends bearable. I think I'm going to have to try that a little more often. It's pretty great. Yeah, you're peopling like a boss. Oh, I didn't know it was as simple as buying a card game. Some people are that simple, yeah. I'm that simple, Paul. I must be a very simple person if a $40 card game can solve all my problems just like that. There we go. Oh, we have someone. How's that? Oh, I'm glad I can see you when we talk. Getting a bit of a crackly sound, though. What's that? The sound's gone, but I think Sue Ann's gone as well. Are you there? Paul, we've made a woman disappear. That's not good. Well, it's one thing we haven't done on the show before, so... Ah, uh, did you always want to be a musician? You mean a magician? A magician. I almost said musician, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you said musician. I think you did want to be a musician. Yeah, I still have dreams. Guys with guitars, they never give up, do they? Yeah, even though I'm a fat middle-aged man, my band could still make it one day. You're not alone. There's lots of fat middle-aged men out there that love to play with their strings. Yeah, and they would. Sue Ann, are you coming back? Oh, I can see a face. Video has been disabled due to internet quality issues. You know, I just have this really unsettling feeling that we're going to end up back at the ranch. Zencaster. Oh, we seem to have troubles with Riverside. Oh, it's always fun, isn't it? Always a cluster truck. I don't need no melted chocolate on the seats of my Ferrari. I'm sitting in the room waiting for everyone to join me. I'm patting my dog. Woof woof. I was going to say you got a fake dog there. <laughs> this is Reggie, my fake greyhound. Excellent. Very cute. You used to have an actual greyhound a few years ago, didn't you? I did. He was the light of my life. What happened to him? Well, he had a bit of a heart condition. We had to put him down. I dug his hole where we buried him and I carried him and popped him in when he was dead. Starting off on a tragic note. Been a sad couple of weeks for dogs. Haven't found Louie? No. That sucks. Hey, Sue Ann. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Oh, I can hear Sue Ann. That sounds much better and smoother. There you go. Oh, we're so smooth on this platform. I think we need to buy stocks in this company, Paul. Where are you, Sue Ann? You're down in Melbourne? Yeah, up in the hills outside of Melbourne, up in the uh, Dandenongs, which Ooh. is a lot like the Blue Mountains. Nice, nice. But okay. with more duchies. With more duchies. <laughs> What's a duchy? 
a person from Holland. Oh, okay. In fact, I live amongst many glorious tulip fields. We have a Dutch tulip festival every year, except during COVID, with some of the worst cover bands. <laughs> there ain't many Dutch hits, let me tell you. I'm trying to think, what has come from Holland that's famous? Not much. <laughs> There's a beer called Hollandia, which I think is from Holland that isn't too bad. And Heineken. Yes, Heineken is from Holland. They've redeemed themselves. So, Anne, we can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on and do this. Thank you very much. Welcome, brothers and sisters, across the cosmos. Tonight we have a very special guest and I'm very excited to have her on. Um, now, she is self-described as Australia's favourite six-foot lesbian, ex-Mormon, diabetic comedian and writer. woody Author of many books. She's an outspoken atheist. She's an outspoken lesbian. or power to you. And she's an actual comedian. She is paid to tell jokes and she's agreed to come and mingle with us amateurs. She is the one and only sister, Sue Ann Post. Well, hello. On that list of accolades, did I leave anything out? We got writer, comedian, atheist, lesbian. Diabetic, smoker. Six foot yeah. lesbian. She's the lesbian that's taller than me, Paul. Well, there you go. Well, I'm Dutch. We're all tall <laughs> except those southern pussies. And I'd just like to point out that talking about Kolob, one of my very first jokes on stage, because I used a lot of Mormon material, was spelt backwards, of course. It's bollock. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, that's how audiences reacted. Didn't think of that now, did you, I Joseph? I can't believe I haven't heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> and Moroni, of course, is the plural of moron. Yes, exactly. Right. Yes. That means that every congregation is Moroni. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we were members of the moron church and every Sunday we'd try and find the church, but it was hard because we were morons. <laughs> We'd get lost. Now, I should point out as well, I have a somewhat <laughs> personal connection to Sue Ann from back in the day. The branch that she was in as a child, my dad was branch president for a while. Pretty sure she was Sunday school teacher to my brothers and I think she was even my babysitter at some point. Just the once. How horrible was Paul to babysit Sue Ann? I would have only been a baby baby. I can't really remember, but I do remember that Terry and Brenda's children were some of the best behaved and nicest kids I got there to babysit. We were good kids. And I was just trying to remember if your folks paid me or gave me a little gift. Probably giving children gift. money. <laughs> One bloody set of Mormon, they gave me a little plastic travel sewing kit. And it was like, have you seen me? Do you know me? Do I look like the sort of person who's going to use that? I'm surprised it wasn't like a Book of Mormon bookmark with their favourite scripture on it that mum no. made. They just wanted to fem you up a bit, didn't they? People have tried for decades. Nothing has worked. <laughs> I mentioned to my parents that you're going to be on the show. They're very excited about that. Ah, uh, they might actually listen to this one. Yeah, yeah, they might. They didn't listen to the last one where we tried to censor ourselves for our mothers. No. Well, we didn't do a very good job of no, censoring ourselves anyway. No, no, we didn't. Anyway. We, we, we tried to not swear and make sexual jokes, but we still did somehow. It's funny, the first time I encountered you was sometime in the mid-90s. You're on TV and you did your routine talking about how you left the church. I think my mum was there and she saw it and she's like, oh, that's so sad. I remember her. She was such a sweet girl. Whereas now my parents are also out of the church and I said interviewing with you, they were like, oh, that's awesome, she's so great, we love her. <laughs> uh, come full circle. Life is circular. It, no matter how much you try and get away from things, somehow they keep coming back and smacking you in the face. Ah, oh, it's not always bad, Suan. It just depends what you're into. Yeah, I'm not so much about being smacked in the yeah. face. If oh. it leaves physical or emotional scarring, i got to admit I'm not a fan. I think I'm just such a sub, Paul. Yeah, you are. Maybe you're 
Frisian. Frisian. Because that's a part of Holland where my family comes from, the northern part, Friesland, where my partner found out at an academic conference a while ago, as a show of affection in Friesland, uh-huh. they punch people in the forehead. Oh. Gently. Gently? But that's a show of Frisian affection. Hmm. Does that mean I can punch someone in the forehead tomorrow and say, sorry, I'm Dutch? Uh, <laughs> You may have to specify Frisian. I don't think Dutch will get you out of it. Okay. But, you know. All right. Wasn't quite the physical contact I was looking for. Maybe the wrong body part, but that's great. First of all, ex-Mormon, you grew up in the church. Were you born into it? First one in the family who was born into it after the missionaries knocked on my mother's door in Brisbane in 1963. Were both of your parents members? No, no, no. My mother was a zealot as a Mormon. And my father was an alcoholic atheist. Yay! That's nice, isn't it? Did you like your father better than your mother? Uh, well... <laughs> how, how did they even get together? You got a hardcore zealot Mormon and an alcoholic atheist. Dedore had been married for 12 years when she converted. He did actually convert six months before he died. And then, I don't know if you know, he was killed in the Granville train smash. And it was the day he gave up smoking because he'd got dispensation from the bishop to keep smoking after being baptised until he could give up. And that morning... He got on a non-smoking carriage and died, and almost all the smokers lived. And the day I realised that and realised, you know, if my dad hadn't become a Mormon, he'd still be alive. <laughs> For the first time in 20 years, there was a knock at the door. Oh, my God. And there were Mormons. Mm. And I looked at them and just went, you killed my father. <laughs> <laughs> and shut the door in their face. I do know that story because sadly my dad had to actually identify his body. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. For those who don't know, the Grantham train massacre it was, what, 1977. It was like Australia's biggest ever train disaster. Was it a bridge or a tunnel collapsed on part of a train? Train jumped the tracks, hit the base of a bridge, which collapsed on top of it. Yeah, and so Suanne's dad was finally like, I'm quitting smoking, I'm going into the non-smoking section, and his proof that smoking saves lives. It's my excuse to uh, keep smoking forever, and actually I have crafted a whole routine about smoking saving lives. Yeah. You know, Although they don't have smoking sections on trains anymore, so we're kind of, you know, screwed either or way. Planes, yeah. Or planes. Or houses. that just such a shame, yeah. though? I just want to hop on a plane and smoke a cigarette even though I don't smoke. I think people should be allowed to do yeah. that. See, Patience is interesting. She doesn't like smoking herself. No. But it looks cool. It looks so fucking cool, doesn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Louise Post with a cigarette sticking out the top of a guitar. Like, she puts it there, like, she plays yeah. it. I just like, yeah, yeah so, so You want to turn on patience, just, you know, have a smoke while you're doing what you're doing and... Uh... Except I don't smoke in my house because my partner's a non-smoker, so uh... I'm going to have to go smokeless for this whole thing. Damn! Take the computer outside, Sue Ann, it's okay. We'll lose the connection. <laughs> I was going to say, we don't want to risk the broadband dropping out, okay? We can't do that. I'm literally four feet from the, the, the broadband things so this is the oh, best okay. spot and I ain't so you would have been a few years old that your mum joined then and she obviously took you to church. You tell everybody in your comedy routine you were a Sunday school teacher for a while. Yes. Did you ever actually buy into it? Did you believe it as a child or did you have your doubts even back then? I did believe. I was brought up to believe and you don't know any better, but converts are weird. Converts are the ones who get all glassy-eyed and <laughs> swallow everything. But I was, you know, I was born into it. I was cool. They swallow everything, do they? Oh, patience. <laughs> But 
yeah, I was a bit more laid back. I sat in the back pew, didn't really do all this Bible readings and Book of Mormon readings. I should have. I failed seminary. You failed seminary? Yeah. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. If you don't fill any of the questions in in the bloody books they give you, you fail. Yeah, yeah, you script your masteries, your attendance, yeah. What scores did you all get? I got an F. <laughs> <laughs> I was the opposite. I was a good little Mormon boy. I failed at actual school, but did well at the church school stuff. That's all right. I didn't do real good at school either. <laughs> <laughs> I was somewhat distracted by other things. Uh, Your friends? No. Uh, I had friends. I also had a stepfather, <laughs> about which I will say no more. Uh, yep. Paul was distracted by his friends. Yes. We all had to witness it. Yeah, yeah. Distracted their brains out on occasion. Oh, you wish, yeah. So what stage then did you start questioning this whole Mormon thing, Sue Anne? When did you start thinking something ain't right? Not till I went away to college when I was 18 and cracked one of my psychology books and discovered that lesbians existed and suddenly my whole life made more sense. Oh, oh. okay. But that triggered off two years of anguish and praying and fasting and, oh, please don't make me this way. But fact is, the minute I went away to college, I was living on campus, not at home, and I was supposed to go to the local church in Bathurst and I never went once. I discovered the joy of sleeping in on Sunday mornings. Isn't sleeping in on Sunday just the best? Doesn't it feel still naughty? Yeah, yeah even now <laughs> when I sleep in on Sunday, I'm like, I don't care, it's awesome. I love it. After two years, I made up my mind and went home and I thought to soften the blow, telling my mother I was an atheist first, and then while she was still reeling, and by the way, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> How did she take it? Not well. I'm not sure what is worse for a Mormon parent to hear, atheist or lesbian. Which is why I always recommend the double punch method. Do it at the same time. Leave them reeling. Being just one of those things when your parents are Mormon is bad enough, but being both... My mother always said, you know, I was such a nice girl until I went to college right. and got ruined by thinking. How dare you think? Obviously, <laughs> though, you didn't get to college before you realised that you had these attractions for women. I had no words for it. I had no concept of it. I knew there were gay men and I didn't know what they do, but I had no idea that chicks could do it too. And so the minute <laughs> I found out, it was like, oh, my God, that explains my bizarre attraction to Mrs Muir in The Ghost of Mrs Muir. <laughs> And Miss Hathaway on the Beverly Hillbillies. And Leela on Doctor Who. Oh, my God, Leela. Oh. The barbarian in the leather <laughs> mini dress. Oh. oh, I need to look this up. <laughs> Let me just hop onto my other screen. Leela, how do you spell lad? L -E -L -A? I think it was L-E-E-L-A, you know, because it was a barbarian name and they don't know how to spell. Doctor Who. What do we got? Oh, oh. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Have you just spotted Leela? I have. <laughs> she is very beautiful. Pa Patience now has a new crush. Excellent. You know what's great about her too? She's not so busty either. She's just like... Tough. She's just nice. Mm-hmm. Paul wouldn't like it though. He only likes tits. No, no, fucker. no. no. I appreciate breasts of all sizes, mm -hmm. I would have, you know. Don't pigeonhole me. Oh, I would slice off a bit of Leela. Uh, I'm, wow. Am I going to have to like leave the chat for a minute and let you two kind of you know, take care of things? I can control myself. I don't know about patience. <laughs> but her name implies that she should be able to control herself. Well, sometimes I can. <laughs>
But I broke a keyboard yesterday, so I couldn't control myself there. She's patience allergy, so, you know, meaning patience isn't her strength. Did you go atheist pretty quickly after? Oh, yeah. I've never understood why people leave one religion and go looking at others. It's like once you bust the trick, they're all the same. Give me a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I love sleeping in, and I uh, discovered there isn't a drug that I don't like, and that doesn't fit with many religions, so I've devoted myself to booze and sex and drugs. Yay! Yes, yes! Hey, you may like this. I'm creating my own religion slash philosophy called Sustainable Decadence. I love that it's sustainable. (laughs) I like the sound of this. Please preach to us. It has two founding saints. Number one, Spike Milligan. Mm. There is no plan, so nothing can go wrong. (laughs) I love it. And Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I miss him. This quote of his, I try to live my life by. Your body is not a temple. It's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. I like that. Only one rule, don't be a douche. The one rule of atheism. And it does have one hymn which I ripped off from the Protestant church. It was originally titled Yield Not to Temptation. And it's only four lines because I don't believe any song should be longer than one verse. <laughs> Would you care to hear it? Would you sing it for us? Of course. I grew up in Mormon choir. I sang in the Sydney Opera House before the prophet Spencer Woolley Kimball. Oh, really? Look, it's only four lines. It won't take long. It's Regalus. Go for it. Instead of yield, not to temptation. Give into temptation. Give into your lust. Give into temptation before we turn to dust. Yay! And that's it. That's all you need for a religion. Was there anything doctrinally or historically that you remember was like the trigger for you to finally be like, this is all bullshit? Oh, where do you start? Kolob, also known as Bolok, and your celestial <laughs> heaven where Mormon boys can study to become gods and have their own planet. Yeah. And come an awful lot, apparently. There's just semen everywhere. (laughs) Women can be there too as the mothers of our spiritual children. What's the problem? (laughs) Let us start, shall we? Or how about the Garden of Eden was in Jackson County, Missouri, and that's where Christ is going to gather the faithful on the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Although I do admire the Mormons for fixing up one thing, marriage is till death you part, which means that in heaven, everyone's single. Now that's just going to be a root fest. Only the Mormons went, no, 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 we shall seal couples together for for eternity. eternity. Yes, you can be miserable forever. Hey, Paul, did you stay in long enough to go to the temple and do temple work? I did. I went through the temple. I served a mission and I married in the temple. So I did the whole shebang. I did baptisms for the dead. Do you remember anyone you baptised that was dead? One really sad. It was just a name, Sarah. They didn't have a full name, but they'd gone through the records and found this baby. Just Sarah. Just Sarah. Baby Sarah. I think I was baptised about 120 dead people, so. They dunk you like heaps in each session. Because baptism is only baptism if it is by full image. Of course. Would you have done that in New Zealand, though, or were you still in the church? Yeah, Yeah, okay, because I was going to say, the Sydney Temple didn't open until mid-'80s. We went to New Zealand. When did you get out? 1984 is the year I came out and officially left the church, but, yeah, hadn't really been to church for the two years before that. Wow, that takes some guts coming out in 1984. Right in the middle of that AIDS backlash. There was a real stigma against homosexuality of all forms in the 80s, wasn't there? The minute Rock 
Hudson died. All the straights freaked the fuck out and we started getting bashed and beaten and thank God for Neil Blewett, the health minister of the time, who said, no, AIDS is a medical crisis, not a moral crisis and did free needles and condoms and... Did you experience anything like that yourself? I'm six foot and I'm a bit scary. (laughs) I haven't been hassled. Okay. I've had words. I've been heckled, Mm. mostly by drag queens for some reason. (laughs) They're the only ones who heckle me. Straight guys aren't. Really? You can heckle them back though. Drag queens think they own the world. When did you decide to become a comedian? It started in college. Are you familiar with the Sophie Tucker jokes told by Bette Midler? I am not. Oh. (laughs) I'm aware of Bette Midler. Sophie Tucker was a blues singer of the 20s and quite rude and Bette Midler had this whole series of jokes. I was in bed with my boyfriend Ernie the other day and he said to me, Soph, you got no tits and a tight box. And I said, Ernie, get off my back. And I used to tell these jokes at parties and at college someone had heard there was a woman who told jokes and so they invited me to get up on Women's Day to do my routine of Sophie Tucker jokes when I was still a Mormon and had waist-length plaits and just did these Filthburger jokes and that was my very first gig and then I sort of started developing my own material along the way and never sort of set out to it. And I should point out, everyone advised me not to be out as a lesbian on stage. They said, you'll never get work. Even my gay friend said, you'll just confirm the stereotype. Maybe you should wait till a prettier, smaller <laughs> lesbian comedian comes along. And I've got to say, 35 years later, still waiting! Wait for the petite, <laughs> big boobed lesbian to set the standard. It's never worth waiting. Yeah, you know, I couldn't really give a fuck, so I started doing comedy, and surprise, surprise, look, it's ended up here on your podcast! I know! Ooh, I the know. joys of fame! I'm sorry, Saran! <laughs> I'm sorry! <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, Opie. Barry Award at the Melbourne Comedy Festival coming on the It was not the Barry Award at the time. Oh, it was the Stella. The Stella. Sponsored by Stella Artois, Ooh. and I got a case of Stella to go with it. Oh, I like Stella. Mm, but of course, too. yeah, they can't compare to being on the Book of Boredom podcast. <laughs> <laughs> got to ask, do you still have your pigtails? I do. You do? I still bring them out on stage at times. Oh, excellent, excellent. It took me three hairdressers to find someone to cut them off. Oh, okay. The first two was like, oh no, a woman's hair is her glory. We can't cut it off. Those at home who maybe haven't seen the routine, it is on YouTube. Check out Sue Ann's routine. But tell us the story of the pigtails. If life had turned out slightly different, you know, and I put my pigtails back against my ears, you know, I could have been knocking on your door. Hello, do you want to know Jesus? (laughs) So yes, there were the pigtails from when you were a Mormon that you had cut off when you hit your atheist lesbian Mm. stage. And I could read them like tree rings. The hair at the bottom, that came out of my head when I was 12 and a very good Mormon girl. And as you go further up the pigtail, you get naughtier and naughtier and naughtier. The cut mark is hell for broke lesbian <laughs> atheist. <laughs> give me drugs, give me sex, give me booze, I love it all. So how many drugs did you do when you came out? I've tried a lot. Mm. Pot is my favourite. Isn't it awesome? I've tried amyl nitrate and cocaine and speed and a few other things. Always steered away from prescription drugs because I'd seen what it to friends and heroin because that just sounded too perfect. But cocaine, oh my God, what a waste of time. They say cocaine is God's way of telling you you have too much money. It's also supposed to make you overconfident or arrogant and chatty. Paul 
Paul has that automatically. I don't know what he's on. Yeah, I don't need cocaine for that. He's on testosterone, <laughs> you see. In fact, taking cocaine is just being Dutch for a while because we're all <laughs> arrogant and chatty. Ah, there you go. You've been very outspoken as an atheist and a lesbian. And a polyamorist. Oh, yeah. So why is it that you felt that you had to kind of speak up for these things and be out there? Because a lot of people say, oh, when you leave the church, can't you just be quiet? See, I also started talking very early in my comedy career about having been sexually abused by my stepfather. If you're going to be honest about that, I ain't keeping no more secrets and I don't care what you say about never having a career. I'm going to talk about me and my stuff and be honest. And that is one thing I've discovered through my career. It doesn't matter how different you are and weird when you walk on stage. If you are honest, people respond and they will listen to you and they will go with you. Frankly, I don't know how good a picture you get in my face, but put it on a six foot frame, me going on stage and going, oh yeah, I'm straight. No one's going to. First thing, I'm not a lizzo, I'm not, I've got a boyfriend. <laughs> really? <laughs> and you take the weapon away. Mm. Although, sadly, a lot of my career seems to have been teaching straight men that they have gaydar. A lot of times after the gigs, these blokes come up to me and go, oh, I knew, I knew before you even said it, I knew you were a lesbian. <laughs> I've got the gaydar. And it's oh. like, no, you ain't. Yeah, yeah. If you can't pick me, yeah, brain dead. Uh. <laughs> Men like to feel special, Sue Ann. I wouldn't know. I have very little to do with them. What they're really saying is, I know you wouldn't sleep with me, therefore you must be a lesbian. Oh, dear, dear, dear. <laughs> well, most of them aren't really even game to say that. This is something that cracked me up for years. I was in college. I was talking to a friend and she said something like, oh, you know, it's like what the boys used to say in the playground when we were kids. And I'm going, what do you mean? She said, you know, boys are strong, like King Kong. Girls are weak. Chuck them in the creek. And I looked at her and said, I have never heard that before in my life. Really? It seems no boys in the playground were going to say that to my face. They would have been bitch slapped. <laughs> Big time, baby. I'm so glad you had a career of oversharing. <laughs> I'd like to have a career of oversharing one day too. I've got to get something for this horrible personality. That's what we're trying to do with this podcast. It's basically just an elaborate overshare. When you can do it with funny, it rocks. It's the great thing about humour. You get to hit them with without cloppering them over the head and going, you must respect my differencenessness. Oh, pushing buttons is the best thing, isn't it? Oh. I have spent so much of my career just so enjoying watching people's heads explode <laughs> from the stage. And I admit, I take a sneaky pleasure in it. <laughs> Absolutely. When you look at your career and your comedy, any particular high points? There's a gig you have in the first year, somewhere along the line, where everything clicks and you surprise yourself and you surprise the audience and the audience goes berserk and you know, oh, actually, I can do this. Not a huge gig in terms of audience and stuff, but that was awesome. Cool. Doing the opera house. Woo! First as a Mormon child singing for Spencer Woolley <laughs> Kimball and then however many years later performing at a lesbian festival in the concert hall of the opera house. That was pretty That would awesome. have been sweet, yeah. Hearing 4,000 people laugh is... Yeah. I've done a bit of stage and theatre and I'm a bit of a stage whore. I'm there and everybody in the audience is paying attention to me and laughing at me. Are you like that as well? Do you get that real buzz? Ah, oh, yeah, because it's a two-way thing. They respond and there's this energy that goes back and forward and when you ride it and there's no power like it and you walk off and you've got the adrenaline buzz for an hour and a half. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? You know you've got them in the palm of your hand and they're just hung on everything you say and do. It is a power trip, isn't it? It's fucking awesome. Yeah, and what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong. 
wrong with that? <laughs> but I got to tell you, one of the weirdest gigs in the late 80s when I was living in Sydney, I got a phone call from a woman who said, we'd like you to perform at an evening function for the World Council of Churches. And I was just Ooh. like, what? Have you got the right number? Do you know who I am? And what I oh, yes, yes, we know. We want you to be there. Okay. <laughs> Did you do it? You bet. I looked them up and realised the Mormons weren't in the World Council of Church. It's quite a left-wing liberal thing. Oh, okay. The Catholics aren't in it either. So I went, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll just load up with the Mormon gear. They'll love it. <laughs> and I did this gig and the audience was loving it, apart from the two Catholic nuns who were there as observers who were about three rows back right in front of me just glaring the whole time. And I was putting this stuff out, doing all the Mormon crap, and they lost it. It was like, oh, that all. Oh my god, that's so funny. Oh, tell us more. Oh, the silly old moments. Oh. So you made nuns laugh. That's an achievement. Not at first. Okay, okay. <laughs> there was a lot of glaring. Because they're not known for their sense of humour, of course. But they are known for being lesbians. You've seen that book too. I had that back in the 80s, Lesbian Nuns. <laughs> 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 but the thing about that was they were laughing so much that actually that was the first time that my residual Mormon sat up in the back of my brain and growled. It's like, you patronising fuckwits. Give me two days, I'll research your religion and I'll find just as much stupidity as the Mormons. Mm. How dare you? Why do Catholics insist upon eating their God? I mean, yeah. how large was Jesus? <laughs> that they're still eating his flesh. Oh, very large. An amazing example of manhood. I did the maths on this once. <laughs> I figured out how many communion crackers you would need to eat before you eat a whole Jesus. <laughs> How many crackers is it, Paul? It's about 15,000 or something like that. Oh. I figured your average size man of 2,000 years ago was about 5 foot 4, weighed about 80 kilos, and I kind of did the math. Oh, so about your size then, Paul? No, no, smaller than me. Oh. Jesus did not live long enough to be a fat middle-aged man like me. Every year after I turned 33 was like, hmm, I'm smarter than Jesus because he was dead before now. That's right. He didn't get past. 33. Except, I don't know who came up with it. It absolutely killed me. Jesus did not give up his life for you. He gave up his weekend. Oh, yes. <laughs> Three days. Come uh, on. Uh, I don't know. I've had a couple of times where I've been so hammered that I was, like, knocked out for a few days. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I got bullshit on Jesus. He just had a big night. He was hungover for a couple of days and he came back and was like, hey, guys, sorry, a bit dusty, but I'm here. Probably. <laughs> so so what, are you, what are you doing these days, Suanne? I imagine that uh, comedy in the age of COVID isn't easy. We moved up here to the outside of the city 20 years ago and I haven't actively pursued doing lots of live gigs. I'm getting a bit old for that and pub gigs barely pay at all. So I've been doing a lot more writing. I was a columnist with The Age for three years. I've written a couple of books. I've got another one to come out soon, hopefully, and also being carer for my disabled partner as she studied for her PhD in musicology. I'm being a good little mom and housewife <laughs> <laughs> while she makes the money and says cook me dinner bitch so so how many of your family are still in the church were you the only one to get out interesting the only two who are still in it are the ones who did missions everyone else has left and actually that was one of the first things at college when i was studying psychology and read about brainwashing i looked at it and went these are the exact same parameters of a mission get them away from the family no contact don't let them read anything except what you want them to read blah 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 and i went oh, my brother have been brainwashed. But we had this great thing when my brother, 
Alex came back from his mission. He'd been a big Monty Python fan before he left. Two years on a mission. Literally the night he was back, we took him to see Life of Brian. <laughs> <laughs> And just watch his head implode. <laughs> I just wonder with all this trans stuff at the moment why no one's putting up that clip of Eric Idle claiming to be Loretta and it's like, but how are you going to have a baby? You can't just state a fetus in a cardboard box. <laughs> Oops, I may have overshared there. Please don't send the trans people off to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I want to have a baby, but you can't. Why? Because you don't have a uterus. But it's my right. <laughs> I actually started a rumour that I was trans and I was surprised at how many people believed it. Is your mum still in the church? Presumably. Oh, okay. I haven't had any contact with her for quite a long time. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. Overshare. The one taboo in comedy I have discovered over 35 years, I can talk about pretty much anything except putting shit on my mum. Audiences just freeze. They look at me like I'm a freak and no one likes it, so I've only done it a handful of times in my career when I've really had to. But the interesting thing is that afterwards there's always two or three people who will sneak up and really quietly go, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I think people fucked over by their mothers are probably more fucked up than, well, it's hard to yeah. measure on a scale, but <laughs> I've met some pretty fucked up people. And mothers hurt more because they're meant to, you know, yeah. unconditional love and all that crap. Yeah. Sorry, did I get too serious? Have I lowered the tone? No. No, that's okay. I asked the question. I didn't know that mothers was a sore point with audiences. That's really fascinating. It's surprising and that's across gender, preference, whatever. Audiences just freeze. So basically comedically yo mama jokes are okay but making jokes about your own mother are not okay. Is that what we're establishing here? Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Don't diss your mum or people won't like it. Oh I call my mum fucking crazy on this podcast all the time so let's get into it hey. Let's yeah, just yeah, really yeah, buckle listen. down. No it's too blasphemous for her. Patience's mum doesn't like our swearing and blasphemy. Hang on a second, I'll be right back. He's leaving. It's just you and me, Patience. Was it something I said, Paul? <laughs> Paul, come back. We've only been on one date. <laughs> I wouldn't fuck him if you paid me. <laughs> I don't need to know that. He seems like a lovely man. I babysat him. He is a lovely man. We went on our little walk through Kangaroo Point the other night and we hit one point just outside the Mormon temple and he goes, you know, that was a spot that this Japanese girl gave me a blowjob once. I'm like, oh, that's a nice bit of information just out of the public. She's like, yeah, she really wanted it. I've actually been to Salt Lake City, Utah. I performed there at a gay and lesbian Mormon conference. But I got to fulfil my aim of smoking drugs, drinking and having sex all within sight of the temple. Someone even offered me LSD and I went, no, that would be too much. <laughs> I'd, have an, I'd have a complete mental breakdown if that happened. And, you know, they have a, a special huge disc you can stand of where you get the perfectly framed photo of the temple behind you if you stand there. <laughs> I've got a photo of me on that disc. Ah! Yeah, yeah, because when I went, I went to the missionary training centre in Provo, which is close to Salt Lake. Hmm. When, when you're there, they let you go to Salt Lake to the temple and church headquarters and everything so you can check it out. So I've got that photo of me out there. Even as a hardcore Mormon when I went there, I noticed just how much they are just in a fucking bubble all on their 
their art. Oh, a fucking bubble, huh? Oh, that does sound fun. Okay, like they are completely shut off from the outside world. I was there in, what, 99, and I made a joke about Bill Clinton thinking this is their president in their country. They didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were just that shut off. Even I, as a good Mormon, was like kind of a demon child when I was there. You know, I said bad words like hell and damn. Oh, <gasps> I know, I know. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But actually, one fetch of the funny... and heck! Yeah, you fetch and slip and darn! I went a week early before I went into the training centre and I met this girl that had just been married oh. and was going to university. Did she blow you? No, no, sadly. Oh, okay. But... Because she'd just been married. She was going to college and she had to pull out of a certain course. Don't patience. Because in this course, they described how to use a condom. And she found it so physically sickening that she couldn't possibly continue the course anymore. And she'd just been married. I'm like, you were just married. What did you do on your wedding night if the thought of putting a piece of rubber on a penis makes you physically sick? I don't know. What did she do on a wedding night? Apparently not much. No rubber, nothing but the missionary position. Yes, yes. Yes. Don't take your garments off. <laughs> the temple fucking garments. That's right. Uh, yes. Did that shit chafe? Wouldn't know. You wouldn't have ever worn I, I, I wore them. They were very uncomfortable. And I must say, mm. I credit garments with the destruction of the tightness of my ass. When I was younger, I had a really nice tight ass. People liked it. But after years of wearing garments with no bum support, it got all saggy and droopy. I blame the ammo, Paul. I think that's why you're so loose now. You're fooling yourself, <laughs> boy! <laughs> It's not the garment, it's the clenching of the buttocks oh, that keeps I, them tight. I didn't clinch enough. Male kegels. <laughs> uh, I was in the MTC one time playing basketball and I like shot a hoop and missed it and I was like, oh, damn it! And like everybody went silent. Like I had to immediately go and pray to repent for saying a bad word. The lame ways people get around swearing in the Christian world, you know, like fetch and heck, cheese and rice. Oh, cheese and rice. Cheese and rice. <laughs> Because that's not rude or blasphemous. No, no. Oh, no. It's basically a risotto, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, my, my mum's favourite as a kid was, oh, battered salves. Where is your mum from? That's not even rude. It's a British thing. That was her swearing. I, I heard mum says this. A couple of weeks ago, I heard my mum say the word fuck for, like, the first time ever. And I wow. never felt more proud. <laughs> You've taught her well, Paul. Yes, yes, it went well. Mm-hmm. She's still a little bit, do you need to swear? so much, Paul, really? Send Brenda my congratulations. Oh, I will. <laughs> Definitely going to listen to this episode because I said you were going to be on and, and she's fascinated by your story. So. <laughs> the other thing I want to ask you about that you've been outspoken about that we haven't addressed yet is polyamory. Yes. How did that journey begin? First up, I really freaking hate the way when I talk about it, people go, oh, it's because you're a Mormon. You're into that polygamy thing. That's not The church has not officially endorsed polygamy since the early 20th century. For me, it was just logic, and I think partly because I never fell out of love with the first woman I was in love with, so I knew there could be more than one because... And also, my partner, we've been together almost 25 years. But when we got together, she was 18 and I was 32. Oh, well done. I love it. That's the way. She was a remarkable young woman. But it's also, how can you turn around to someone at 18 and say, that's it, you have made your choice for life? 
that's it. You can't look at anyone else. You can't think about anyone else. And the look of horror on her face when I joked about it, it's like, no, no, you can't own people. And that's what it comes down to, I think. And no matter what sort of rules you set up, people can barge right through them. Life is chaos. You're going to fall for more than one person. Try and deal with it honestly and have as much fun as possible. It's that whole sustainable decadence thing again. My philosophy is sex is awesome. Have as much of it as you want with as many people as you want. It's one of life's few good pleasures is that feeling of being close to someone and, and engaging in that sort of thing. So have at it. Enjoy it. And I've never understood sexual jealousy. Really? I think because I understand it. I'm really quite a bit of a recluse and homebody. Yeah. Happy with my own headspace. But it's like my partner's going off and having a really good time and leaving me with some solitude which I love and then she comes back and it's awesome. What is the problem there? If you need to keep a leash on your lover so they don't wander, that's pitiful. How much better that people go off and wander, but they come back. Exactly. Because you're that awesome. Yeah. That is more impressive than controlling someone to death. It's that whole comparison thing. Was that other person they were with better than me? Did they feel more satisfied? How could they be better than me, young man? Exactly! It takes a healthy (laughs) ego, I think, to be a polyamorous. (laughs) My first lover, actually, who introduced me to all this, she was 17 years older than me, married with kids, and they all knew, and I was just part of the family, and the husband actually built on a room for me, and she summed it up best. She said, you know, I don't care where you go or what. What you do, as long as when you come back, there's that twinkle in your eye. Oh, I like that. She's also the one who said all cats are grey in the dark and sex is just friction. <laughs> Actually, I think you used that line in one of the talks I saw you gave on it. See, I don't agree with that. Sorry. Really? I just, yeah. No? Sex is just friction. Fuck that. No, it isn't. There has to be a little love. It doesn't have to be long term. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. Some people need a lot more out of the actual act than just friction. And some people feel so much jealousy that polyamory wouldn't be possible for them. It's not for everyone. I mean, all aspects of sexuality are on a spectrum, I think. Trying to chop the spectrum into two categories is pointless. Stupid. Yeah. And offensive. I'm so, <laughs> so, so offended. Uh, you are Send me. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! My job here is done. (laughs) I've had to apologise a lot recently. Apparently I offend people too. No, we do that without trying. Fuck them. (laughs) I keep coming back to honesty. If you're honest, really fuck what anyone else thinks. I don't care what people think. I wish it was as simple as that, Sue Ann. I try to pride myself on just being transparent and over-sharing, but you can't just say whatever you want, apparently. You have to appreciate context. T.S. Eliot said, prefer faces to meet the faces that we meet and we know what's appropriate in church and what's appropriate in the pub. And there's a sort of human decency in recognising that people might be freaked out, but at the same time, honesty. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always. It's the only way. Like, I know a lot of comedians, when they do their act, like, deliberately try to offend people or try to be controversial. Is is that something that's ever appealed to you? No. Just being like, no, just make fun of myself. Yeah, make fun of myself. And it is so easy to be controversial. It is so easy to offend people. I've seen it. Take a God word, a sex word, and a poo word. Put it in one sentence. Oh, that's terrible. You can't do that. It's for morons who have nothing else, who don't have original ideas. It's much more interesting 
thing to invite people in, seduce them a little bit, and then fuck with their mind in a gentle <laughs> way. Fuck them gently. That leaves reverberations later. Yeah. The oh. impact grows. Oh. <laughs> it, it just, it, I think I'm doing it to you, patrons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen patients this excited during an interview, to be honest. But... It's been a while, hasn't it, Paul? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was the last person I got this excited about? Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll have to go back. If you don't have actual, intelligent, worthwhile things to say, if you're just doing it for that flash of social media notoriety the last half a second, yeah, fuck your mother. You're an idiot. Yeah, fuck your mother. She should have aborted you. Ooh. It's funny, though, you mentioned, like, the polyamory polygamy thing, like, and, and the church literally supported the phrase marriage is one man versus uh, one man and one woman yeah not not versus one man versus one woman <laughs> best Freudian slip ever that's a whole different TV show and we'll get into that but yeah, but yeah marriage equals one man and one woman and I was like hang on Mormon doctrine the very definition of celestial marriage that you need to like attain the highest degree of celestial glory according to Joseph Smith was polygamy so it's not one man and one woman it's one man and as many women as he basically wants is like the Mormon doctrine. Don't get me started on fucking gay marriage. I find it an abomination. Oh, really? The suffragettes must be rolling in their graves going, you're kidding. You want to buy into this ancient medieval relic with a 50% failure rate that oppresses women and you want to turn it into the most romantic beautifuls ever? Ah, uh, you are ringing my bell. <laughs> so you yeah. won't be getting married anytime soon. Never <laughs> the fuck. I don't know if you're familiar with the Canadian lesbian author Jane Rule. She died in 2011 just as the gay marriage stuff was starting and she fucked them all up the ass. With a strap on. Basically, she said she defined marriage as a state-defined prison cell and us gays with all we have learned about relationships, instead of volunteering to join them in the prison cell, we should be breaking them out. I like that. Although I've been married, it didn't work out, but I'm definitely not, not a fan anymore. I don't see why you should have to register your love with the government. What the fuck business is it of theirs? But you also notice it was the first issue that straight people got on board with. And I'm sure it was because you've had it too good for so long. You should be sucked into this <laughs> where you can't have any fun no more. So yeah, we're supporting your gay marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I love your evil voice that you do, <laughs> Hey, you remember Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget? <laughs> I used to do Bible readings with that voice. Oh, really? Oh, you have to do that tonight. Ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Suffer the little children to come unto me. I'm going to cough for two minutes after that because it really hurts my throat. <laughs> It's just the emphysema, isn't it, Sue Ann? No, it's the lung cancer, darling. I'm a smoker. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. As an ex-mormon, do, do you still follow anything the church does these days? Apart from Mitt Romney? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was bad news. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah, do something new. It's yeah. boring if you keep doing the same old shit on repeat, isn't it? Well, that sort of is the comedian's charter, you know, just keep saying the same stories over and over and make it feel like new. Sounds like Paul's sex life. You're talking about your documentary The Confessions of an Unrepentant Lesbian Ex-Mormon. Yes, a title I had no choice in and really pissed me off because it was like every press release I had released since I started doing comedy. What title would you have preferred? 
Look, I had a few options written down, but it's been a long time ago and I'm drunk, so sorry. That sounds like an option right there. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you are so fucking right, Patience. (laughs) (laughs) On that doco, though, like what was the thinking behind making that? When I performed at the Opera House for the Big Gay Festival in Sydney, I did my one-woman show, G-Strings and Jockstraps, about the time I trained with the National Hammer Throwing Team and also the time I did sumo wrestling with a freak show circus. Could you be any more lesbian? It was awesome. (laughs) You were in the freak show circus? Jim Rose, yeah. What was your special freakiness thing? The sumo wrestling, because he had female sumo wrestlers in his show and every night he'd issue a challenge. If any of you Aussie chicks think you can take on my girls, come on up. He got to wrestle women every night. It was just the one night, but I saw Jim in the bar and said, hey, Jim, I reckon I'd take on your chicks. He said, oh, I think you could. (laughs) And so he did it, and I took on Judy the Bull Moose Jenkins and Katie the Pile Driver Wilson. (laughs) And if you ever want to feel good about your semi-naked body, because I was given the option of doing it topless, and I thought, well, it's sumo wrestling, of course I do. (laughs) Having the main town hall audience filled with people going, yeah, go post it, is so good for your body image. And I got to hear what very large titties banging together, (laughs) what sound they make, and the sound is whack. Lesbian issues aside, how do you feel about the Mormon church in regards to their treatment of women and the way they view women in the church? Oh, like it was the 4th century AD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No voice. You can be a member of Relief Society. One thing we've noticed rereading the book is any references to women in the Book of Mormon are negative. They're complaining against their husbands. They're the evil ones, the temptresses. We introduced original sin. Yeah, it's all your fault, women. You ate the fruit, damn it. When I was in Salt Lake, you try to hate them, but they really are very nice, (laughs) the Mormons. Have you seen the South Park episode where a Mormon family moves in and all these people go over to beat the crap out of them because they're Mormons and all walk away going, well, they were just so nice. (laughs) They do make it hard to hate them sometimes, don't they? Yes. Paul's family was nice. Hey, I went along to their church activities a couple of times. Yeah, you did. They were nice. That's why drew me in then just uh... just just don't pay attention to the doctrine ignore the doctrine and the history and you'll be just fine i just couldn't as you have to do with every fucking religion Uh, don't get me uh... started on buddhism oh Oh, i hate buddhism i don't want to be empty as xena says everyone's got to be full of something i've always just thought of it as the ultimate rich prick religion (laughs) do you know the story of the buddha i don't tell me the story of the buddha suan the buddha was a beautiful handsome rich prince whose daddy loved him so much he didn't let him know about illness suffering sickness or death and it wasn't until he was in his mid-30s that he discovered these things existed and it's like okay so you're a moron (laughs) He <laughs> get to 35 and not know that. And then he decided he must go out into the world to experience this. But he couldn't go as himself. He went as a beggar boy. Oh. That's right. Rich Prick is begging from poor people. And at the end of it, his great realisation, everything is an illusion. Of course. Money can't buy you happiness. Which yeah. is what every rich prick says. To those who say money can't buy happiness, I would be happier being depressed in a mansion with like a Lamborghini in the garage than in a tent. Just just saying. Sophie Tucker once said, I've been rich, I've been poor. Rich is better. You were a strong Mormon in your childhood, in your teenage years. Did you actually read the Book of Mormon cover <laughs> to cover? Nah. <laughs>
nor the Bible. I was meant to. But it turns your eyeballs to dust. I would start off with good intentions. I would start reading. But in the Book of Mormon, it was all the, and it came to pass. Mm. And in the Bible, it was the baguettes. We are in one of the most boring parts of the book at the moment. Oh, God. Which bit's that? Do you remember when Joseph Smith basically plagiarised the Book of Isaiah? Vaguely. I only heard about it later when I was researching stuff to kill religion. <laughs> So basically, it, it's in Second Nephi. Oh. Joseph Smith ran out of original ideas and thought, fuck it, I'm just going to copy and paste <laughs> several chapters of Isaiah and stick it in there. He just put the Bible in his hat and started reading that out to his wife instead. Yeah. So, so we were going over it recently. We think the book of Isaiah was like the 4,000 years ago equivalent of predictive text. Just keep hitting the space bar and see what <laughs> sentences he can come up with. So bear with us. We've got to try to try to get through this, okay? So we've got to try to read the plagiarism of the book of Isaiah. We're in 2 Nephi chapter 19. It's only 21 verses. That's not too long. And it's not the size that counts anyway, Sue Ann. It's how you read it. The golden <laughs> plates lay hidden deep in the mountainside <laughs> until God found one faithful in whom he could confide. A record made by Nephi, a godly man of old. Book of Mormon, the story is retold. Oh, that's beautiful, Suan. There we I go. can see why you're All in right. the choir now. And that smoking <laughs> has really given your voice an extra quality over the years. First alto next to the sopranos because I could hold the tune despite a different tune being in my left ear. All right. <laughs> she performed for Spencer Willie Kimball himself. Kimball's successor, Ezra Taft Benson, came to Brisbane in the 90s. Benson and Hedges. Yeah, yeah, that's it. For some reason, they booked out the football stadium now known as Suncorp <laughs> Stadium, Lang Park at the time. So Ezra Taft Benson, the Mormon prophet, was on like this stage in the middle of the football field, surrounded by 4X signs. Oh. <laughs> they didn't take down the sponsorship signs at <laughs> the ground. And they probably had no idea what 4X even meant. It was great. All right, we're going to do the seminary style, which means we're we read like three verses each as we go into it. Okay. You went to seminary. She failed seminary. But she went. She was there. I went a few times, but we <laughs> lived far away and I was supposed to get up early and do it myself with the booklets and I never yeah. did. Oh, we all like to get up early and do it with ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh, patience. You are just a walking lewd monster. <laughs> Second Nephi chapter 19, compare, <coughs> plagiarize Isaiah 9. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation oh, okay. when at first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali and afterwards did more grievously afflict the way of the Red Sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of nations. That's just such beautiful prose, isn't it? I love that whole was in her vexation. It's kind of dirty saying fixation, I think. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. That's one of the phrases from Isaiah that Handel used in the Messiah, which oh, there you go. used to be my favourite piece of music. We're getting operatic. That is a beautiful piece of music. Thou hast multiplied the nation and increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. What? And as men rejoice... 
when they divide spoil. <laughs> I don't want to be in front of them having joy as men rejoice. <laughs> That's too much joy, Paul. Not on my face. I feel that joy is too public. Mm. Yeah. Way too public. Did you have joy when you harvest? Um. Well, I think a lot of people do. It's a crop I harvest. Yes, I do take great joy from <laughs> I want some of that crop. Let's talk about that later. Sister Patience, <laughs> first four. Off you go. Oh, okay. Four. Thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. All right. That's amazing. He's broken all of those phallic symbols. Snap. Break the knob. <laughs> you like to be sub. Okay, Patience. Here you go. You're submissing to the rod of the oppressor. Bam. The reaction from both of you says that joke did not land, so let's just move on. It's just not sexy. <laughs> For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. Oh, that's the best kind of garments, isn't it? The ones that are rolled in blood? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just didn't know she was getting a period. <laughs> but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Wow, that's pretty oh, heavy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, why would you want that? They pin down the child, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Dickhead, I mean Father, the Prince of Peace. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There we go. Handle, <laughs> thank you very much. All right, Sister Sue Ann, over to you, verse 7. I think I have sung more tonight than I have in years. I apologise. Keep singing. We're loving the singing. You know how often we sing on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sing a lot. Verse 7. Of the increase of government and peace, there is no end upon the throne of David and when his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the sky what? The Lord of Hosts will perform this. Z-C-A-L. The zeal. Okay, obviously I need new glasses because I thought it said sky. <laughs> okay, verse 8. The Lord sent his word unto Jacob and it hath lighted upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim. Of course, Ephraim. And the inhabitants of Samaria that say is the pride and the stoutness of heart. They're putting beer in heart, Paul. Stout. Stout is a terrible beer. Do not drink stout. That that, that shit is feral. Oh, okay? is it? that, uh, it's occasionally good for cooking, but that's it. Oh, okay. Don't drink that shit. Okay, Sister Suen, do you understand a word of those three verses you just read? Not <laughs> one single freaking word! Please give us a summary. He said, blah, 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 blah. God is good. Blah, 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 blah. There you go. <laughs> Verse 10. The bricks are fallen down, but we will build with dune stones. The sycamores are cut down. Sycamores. The tree pot. But we will change them into cedars. 
They're going to change sycamores into cedars. How do you do that? Magic. By the power of God. Ooh, by the power of grace, God. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, the Lord shall set up the adversaries of resin against him and join his enemies together. Human centipede again, Paul. Yeah. Adversaries of resin. I think they're talking about hash. Mm. Hash is the resin. <laughs> Oh, it might be. And what is your experience with the resin? Very good. Freaking awesome. (laughs) Does it take all your anxiety away? No, it kind of makes it worse. Oh, really? Oh, why do you do it then? I smoke the leaf. The leaf is an antipsychotic and anti-anxiety. That's what I do when I get too freaked out. I smoke the leaf instead of the head or the resin. I am much learned in pot and its ways. Mm. The leaf has CBD. The heads have THC. THC makes you high. The CBD. CBD is an antipsychotic and calming. The plant is amazing. It has both the antagonist and the karma in the same plant. I like the CBD personally. I like the highness, the buzz. That's just the opposite of what she said. <laughs> the CBD stuff is the antipsychotic oh, yeah, sorry, stuff yep, that yep, calms okay, you right. down. I don't care. I like it. Oh, man, they never listen. No, I know. If you want to take this to a really weird space, I could line up a joint right now. I've got the tin right next it. to me. Oh, do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it, do it. Remember Brother Mark? That was one of our most amazing recordings and he was high as a fucking hawk. It took a while before his edible kicked in, but when it kicked in, it was awesome. No, I don't do edibles. I like to do cones. Smokers can't do bongs. I roll joints. Unless I'm doing a water bong. What's the definition of cone? What does that mean? Out of a pipe. Oh, okay. I'm learning things here. I made a mistake with, with, with the recent batch I bought. I put it into a coffee grinder, but I put it in for too long and it kind of turned into like marijuana no, 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 no. Oh. Foolish boy. But it's very good stuff, though. I, I, I like it a lot. And it's medicinal. I freaking love pot. It's my favourite drug. It's good stuff. But if anybody listening at home, I, I only take it under legal circumstances. It is for medicinal purposes. No joy involved. How could that be possible mm. when it's an illegal substance? Purely medicinal. I do not enjoy it in any way. <laughs> like the marijuana equivalent of soaking. <laughs> Soaking? Haven't you heard of soaking? Are you talking about dishes? No. (laughs) Oh, very dishy. Very dishy. (laughs) Sorry, I'm quite young and naive in the ways of the world still. Is it related to pegging? Well, it might be. You know, like Mormonism teaches no sex outside of marriage. Yes. Boring. Yes, I knew. Oh, they've made it more interesting, though. you got to hear this. They have this thing now called soaking, where the guy can insert himself into the girl, but if they don't move, they're not having sex. That's just tantric fucking sex. Yes, they are just soaking in the wet vagina. Oh, let's face it, she's not that wet. But not thrusting, therefore it is not sex, therefore they do not need to repent. Oh, I feel a bit (laughs) ill now. I've got a bit of gorge in the back of my throat. (laughs) But apparently this is really popular in BYU, in the dorms. What will happen is you'll have, say, a guy and a girl soaking on, like, a bottom bunk in a dorm room. So the guy on the top bunk will start shaking the bed so that they get, like, that, like, feeling of, like, like thrusting and stuff. It's like, I'm not sitting, I'm not thrusting, I'm not having sex, I'm just being jacked off. (laughs) That is soaking. That is how you can experience sexual pleasure without breaking the church rules apparently. Church rules about sex across the board. I know! 
any religion that encourages celibacy, it is actually the most unnatural oh, yeah. sexual thing to take. Absolutely. I do not trust celibates. And they all use sex to control people, taking this wonderful thing that people can experience and using it to control them and manipulate them and make them feel guilty. It is also a complete contempt for the physical, for the corporeal. If you want to move on so much to the next world where it's all ethereal and in your brain, just fuck and top yourself now. Because if you don't enjoy sex, you don't deserve to live in this world. Exactly. I guess I'll have to go and top myself later. Oh, fuck. Oh, sorry, Sister Patience. We need to help Sister Patience have good sex, okay? There's a difference between voluntary and being young and doctrine. <laughs> and I would never judge anyone, patience, because you know, it's actually been a few years for me as well. Uh, I'm not against people having sex, and I'm not against myself having sex either, but I just haven't always enjoyed it that much. Anyway, where were we up to in, the, in this little book? So, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind. Ooh, doggy! <laughs> and they shall devour Israel with open mouth. Oh, my God! <laughs> That's the best line. Oh, that deep throat in Israel. For, oh, this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Have you noticed God's always stretching out his hand all the time? What's with that? Because Michelangelo painted it and it became law. Oh, okay. On the Sistine Chapel when he reaches out, God is always reaching for us, but we are turning him away. We are despising him. But yet the hand is there always going, let me cup your buttock. God (laughs) gives a good handy is what we're (laughs) taking from there. He wants to give humans the spiritual reach around. Yes, yes, that's (laughs) Verse 13. (laughs) For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them. Well, duh. Neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. I thought that was the same person. Isn't smitey and the Lord of hosts the same person, Paul? Probably. This is confusing. Oh shit! <laughs> what was that? Her wine glass. Oh no, that's jug. <laughs> it's a wine jug. <laughs> you whore! She doesn't drink though. Sister Patience is sober. <laughs> oh bullshit! <laughs> she doesn't like sex. She doesn't like drinking. She doesn't do drugs. So I wonder sometimes if she is actually human. Oh Paul, I'm not human. I'm better than human. <laughs> And that's why it takes so long to find someone to compliment you because there's a lot of humans on the planet. I think it's going to take a very special lady. You say lady. You've made a decision already. Yes, she has. Mm. She has. I just think that. I'm going to die alone. Anyway, but that's okay. My darling. You're not going to die alone. I will be there with you to say patience. You're good as a friend, Paul, but I'm talking about someone who's in cahoots with me. No, no, no. See, I will be there when you're dying to say patience. Have you finished the edit of the latest episode? (laughs) Yeah, the way we're going, we're still going to be like 100 years old. So it's over to Sister Sue Ann for 14. Therefore will the Lord cut off from Israel head and tail. Tail, branch and rush <laughs> in one day. Sounds like a painful circumcision, but okay. They're topping and tailing it, Paul. Yeah. It's usually just the top. Ouch! <laughs> and taking a whole day? Really? Oh, they're going very slowly. Ooh. Slowly or are they bragging? <laughs> I don't know. I took the 
them all day with you, didn't it, Paul? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to put on a show. There was a lot of meat to get around, wasn't there? They just. <laughs> I'm sorry. I might have to go now. I'm sorry, but that was just too far. Too far. I feel oh. a bit ill. Did you hear that he had a circumcision as an adult? Why would you do that? <laughs> it wasn't by choice. <laughs> It was medically necessary. What the hell? That's a whole nother discussion, but yes, it was. What did your penis do wrong? (laughs) 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 That's what happens when you get married at short notice to someone who doesn't know what sex is. Bad move. You want yourself a whore, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virgins are overrated. Whores rock. (laughs) Get someone who knows what the hole they're doing. And what hole they're doing. (laughs) Yes. We weren't meant to talk about my penis tonight because I've got two lesbians on the show, so, yeah. Like I'm going to, ooh, it's a penis. Oh, I dirty. I have to leave now. Are you kidding? Uh, Actually, I'm wondering if you babysat me as a child, if you changed my nappy or anything was that like the last penis you saw like uh <laughs> god no you killed her i watched my two elder brothers the mormons getting ready for their wedding you could see the sperm backing up to their eyeballs <laughs> as they were waiting for the wedding day where they could finally have sex i know about the penis that's not awkward in any way <laughs> Fucking good luck editing this, my friends. <laughs> we have no filter on this show. It's all good. Isn't it awesome? I love my lack of filter, but it also gets me into an extreme amount of trouble, Sawan. I'm just not sure it's worth the trouble anymore, uh, at least no, in my get, personal life. Get, get, of course it's worth it. Trouble is the price you pay for fun. Absolutely. I don't know. I think I should hold a few things back. Nah. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? Oh, well. The joy of saying stuff you shouldn't means that you are standing against the entire planet and going, fuck you, ah, and better. Thus saith the Lord, and here endeth the lesson. You're getting drunker and more awesome, aren't you? And the answer to that question is, yes. Yes. Because, you know, I think Cartman is God. And when I get drunk, I turn into Cartman and I look at people and go, do you love me? Do you love me enough to care for me? <laughs> Screw you guys! I'm going home! Respect my authority! You gonna go hell and you gonna burn! Back to the topic. Back to the topic. Yes. What verse? 14. Read away. Therefore will the Lord cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush in one day. The ancient, he is the head, and the prophet that teacheth lies, he is the tail. For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. I'll get you next time, Nephi. Next time. Destroy! <laughs> oh my god, I think she's gonna die, Paul! Sorry, we're gonna give a guest a heart attack. No, just smokers cough, I'm used to it. It's just the emphysema, Paul, it's okay. I quit smoking like six years ago and I still have smokers cough. I can't believe your dad would still be alive if he hadn't quit smoking. That's so amazing. Have you seen that movie, Thank You for Smoking? No. 
basically a similar plot. That's a good movie, actually. I like the movie. Smoking saves his life in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, it could have saved my father's life. Yeah, yeah. I think it's sort of saved my life in that it was a daily pleasure that kept me tethered to the earth when I really didn't want to be. Uh. It also saved a fluffy white kitten. Oh, do tell. I was living in Brunswick. We'd put up a wading pool and late at night it was like, oh, do I have another cigarette? Go outside. Do I go straight to bed? Have another cigarette? Go. I'll have another cigarette. I walked out and one of the neighbor's kittens had got into the wading pool and was dying. And I saw it. I grabbed it. I'd watched Dr. Harry the week before. So I shook the water out of its mouth. I warmed it with a rug. It survived. A kitten saved because I decided to have another cigarette. Smoking saves lives. So you grabbed it by the pussy, didn't you? Oh, patience. That one was beneath you. That was obvious. I'm sorry. I expect a bit more subtlety. There you go. Everyone start smoking because it will save your life and it will help you grab a pussy. It'll help you have people like patients want to give you their pussy. Yes. So let's start smoking. But also in the era of COVID. The French noticed they have the highest percentage of smokers of any other country in the world. And they realised when they were getting COVID patients in, smokers were underrepresented. And what they figured out was that when you smoke cigarettes, they attach to the receptor in your body that COVID wants to attach to. So if nicotine is already there, COVID cannot get into your body and replicate. Therefore, smokers suffer less from COVID. I love this. Don't get the jab. Take up smoking. Smoking (laughs) prevents COVID. You heard it here first. Paul, you silly man. You got the jab. We're not just here to mock religion. We are here to present you with hardcore facts. I got the jab as well, but smoking helps. You just want it both ways, don't you? Doesn't everyone? Maybe. All right, well, let's boot this baby home with the last few verses. Therefore, the Lord shall have no joy in their young men. Well, that, that that's a win for lesbians everywhere. There's no joy in young men. Okay. That's because young men don't know what they're doing. Neither have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for every one of them is a hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speak folly. For all this, his anger is not turned away. But... His hand is stretched out still. Oh, he's still got his hand stretched out, Paul. Still. For wickedness burneth as the fire. It shall devour the briars and thorns and shall kindle in the thickets of the forest and they shall mount up like the lifting up of smoke. Do you have a thicket of forest that you mount on, Paul? No, but I do like to lift up smoke. Oh. As do we all. (laughs) I still can't believe I haven't had a cigarette since just before eight. Okay, we've got to wrap this up so that Sister Suang can go and have a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land darkened and the people shall be fuel of the fire. No man shall spare his brother. They're going to burn people. They're going to put them on their rotisserie or something. fuck. All right. It's a bit roasty, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, Sister Patience, read the last couple of verses for us. All right. And he shall snatch (laughs) on the right hand. (laughs) 
It gets worse. And be hungry. And he shall eat on the left hand and they shall not be satisfied. Oh, they never are. No. They shall eat every man the flesh of his own arm. Have about that before? Eat my man. What is this, Resident Evil? No, it's like a really bad porno. Now, I'm wondering, Sue Ann, this is the last verse. Can you do your Dr. Claw? Okay, as long as you don't mind if I cough to buggery afterwards. No, please do. Manasseh, Ephraim, and Ephraim Manasseh, they together shall be against Judah. <laughs> For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand <laughs> is stretched out still. That fucking <laughs> Deep breath, Joanne. Deep breath. Huh? <laughs> it went Manasseh Ephraim and then Ephraim Manasseh. And it sounded like a trance. That was scary. Give me a time. I can do it and scare the crap out of anybody on this planet. Because <laughs> I am scary. A little bit like Hammer. I thought you were going to say that you are Satan. That too. Have you watched Lucifer? I haven't yet. I have to, though. That's on the list of things to watch. It is awesome. Huh? He does not lie. He says the exact truth every time. He's an overshare, Suan. <laughs> All the best people are. Satan is good. We like Satan. Sister Patience, thank you as always for doing this with me. Sister Suan, can't thank you enough for coming on and, and doing this with us. Yes. Hope you've enjoyed it. It was my joy, pleasure and honour. And once this COVID <laughs> thing is over, I will come to Melbourne and let's hang out and smoke some joints together and have some fun. Uh, yeah, smoke a few joints, have a few drinks, meet some easy women. Yes, yes. I am more than open to you introducing me to some easy women. I have pretty high standards, though, so I'm not into easy women. I have no standards. Standards though. are overrated. <laughs> go for number. What are you working on at the moment? Is there anything our listeners can go to to follow what you're doing? Working on a book, hoping to do some gigs when lockdown ends. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, like... Anything at all? I do Facebook, not so much the social media. Just Google Sue Ann Post. Follow whatever she's doing because it's going to be awesome. You're working on a book at the moment. Would you like to hear the title? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> it's called The Blueprint. How to end poverty and boost economic growth without hurting the planet or taking a cent from anyone. Oh, and how do you do that? You have to read the book if you want to know, Patience. Short version is Global Debt Jubilee. Ah. Uh, you know, my favourite author is Ayn Rand, so we probably got a pretty different view on that. I think so. Ayn Rand was the most fucked up right-wing fuckwit oh. who wrote a book in the 1950s. I believe she should have been burned at birth. That's pretty horrible. You actually think she should have been burned? Well, no. Come on. Allow for comedic overstatement. <laughs> I'm just saying the things she said were just outrageously stupid. Have you ever read her book? Yes. The Fountainhead and a few others because I believe in reading the opposite of what I believe to make sure I know what's happening in the world. Did you ever read all of Atlas Shrugged? You mean you did? Yep. Oh, you sick fuck! No one can read that crap the whole way through. Ooh, ooh okay. Well, haven't we all read the Bible? No. <laughs> nah. Are you kidding? Has nah. anybody read all of the fucking Bible? I'm pretty sure I've read most of it. Like all the stupid books, I haven't read them all the way through. I read the good ones. I disagree that she was right-wing too. That puts you against pretty much every literary 
critic in the world, but never mind. It depends whether you call libertarianism right wing or left wing. I don't think you call it either. Libertarianism is different to what she was writing. Not really. Mm, I will go fist to fist with you, young patients, about Ayn Rand. <laughs> oh, it got so ugly in the last two minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still smiling. I don't care. I mean, everyone hates Ayn Rand. That's just the way it is. Not everyone. Right wingers love her. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Let, let, let's just put <laughs> the brakes on this here. You guys can discuss this another time. <laughs> I believe Patience Paul is making the mistake that this is genuine conflict instead of play <laughs> conflict. Could I be right in that department Probably. or are you yeah. really hooked into Anne Rand? What's the question? I don't understand the question. Like, I really do like Anne Rand. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't play fighting. I genuinely no. offended you? I'm not offended, no. Okay. You're allowed to have a different opinion to me. That's cool. No harm, no foul. Let us move on. I wish humans were more okay with disagreeing and being okay with that. Disagreeing is cool. I actually really agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Because that's when people talk when and it have becomes conversations. Different. Yes. When they break out of their echo chamber yes. bubble. Yes. When they are forced to confront opposites. But that is a topic for a to different end. podcast because we are here <laughs> to make fun of Mormonism and that's it. Uh, but patience, contact me later. We will argue more. I really don't want to argue about it. Check out Sue Ann Post, read her books, watch her videos on YouTube. She is fucking awesome. We love her and I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and doing this for us. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Book of Boredom podcast. And until next week, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen! <laughs> Amen. <laughs>